0: Simmons is this the battleborn fan talk welcome back to the Battleborn League podcast I'm your host as always Joshua An here from the Battleborn fan Talk Network talking to you guys today about your favorite team in the NHL, your Toronto Maple Leafs. Now, to get today's episode start off with some good news, my co-host should be joining me as soon as Monday next week, which I'm really looking forward to as they uh, near their return from the holiday break. Um, can't wait for that. We're going to have a weekly look ahead uh, for some pretty big matchups, uh, one against the Golden Knights uh, on Tuesday night, so definitely get ready for that one. But let's start today's episode off with talking about Nick Ritchie, who has cleared waivers officially. Um, Richie's a guy that I expected a lot out of this year. I'm sure many of, uh, you know, people in Leafs Nation did the same. Uh, he carries a $2.5 million cap hit this season, and then he gets a raise for next year at $3.3 million. You know, I really thought we could have saw James Van Nike kind of production out of this guy. You know, I know that's, you know, looking back now, that's, you know, absolutely messed up. I even thought about that, but, you know, I thought they played a similar style. I thought, uh, Richie on the power play with Matthews and stuff, and especially Marner being that net front presence would really translate well to this team. I also thought that he had that, you know, kind of physical ability that would really help, uh, this Maple Leafs lineup, you know, that grit that's, uh, always talked about with, uh, this Maple Leafs team, but he just did not have it from the get go, um, Really struggled here in Toronto. One goal, seven assists for eight points uh, in 30 games. And, you know, with his salary and cap hit, that is the highest uh, on the Leafs' bottom six. And, you know, over guys like Conf and Kasha and Spezza and Wayne Train, you know, that you just can't justify uh, spending that money on him for what he's given the Leafs this season. And he really, his play couldn't justify him having a spot here uh, on the NHL lineup uh, with his cap hit. So... You know, Richie was, I guess, a disappointment for now. Obviously, he's still going to be around as he cleared until the Leafs trade him. Now, if the Leafs somehow find to manage, uh, you know, they they actually, you know, find a taker for Nick, they would actually have about $4.25 million around the trade deadline. So, obviously, I've seen over Twitter the name Chikrin comes up, as expected. Chikrin's an elite defenseman. Um, you know, it's so rare especially in the NHL, that a player of his talent is available for trade. Um, the Arizona Coyotes are asking for a huge ransom from, obviously, this guy scored 20 goals last year with Arizona. He is the definition of a workhorse. And, uh, since Ekman Larson left Arizona this off season, they kind of get, they transformed his game a bit to play. He did play on the right side for a couple games. Um, He's playing more of a two-way kind of role this year instead of just being offensively focused, which I find is really you know uh, encouraging if you're attempting to trade for Chickren. Uh, But I just I can't see the fit now. I did see some trade offers or proposal, you know, mock trades on Twitter, uh, you know, tweeted out by the fans. There was this one particular one where it's like Kerfoot, Robertson, and the first and a second, and I saw a lot of people were like, oh, overpay, overpay, you have got to do that. Like, smash that button right now. You are getting the best player in that trade for a steal. Like, Chikrin for, okay, don't get me wrong, Kerfoot, I love his versatility. I love what he brings to this lease roster. But in terms of Kerfoot, and then you're adding Robertson, who, I like Robertson a lot, but, you know, he really hasn't been what I expected since the Columbus series. Obviously, he was a second-round pick, so he does have time to turn around. He could be a really good player in the National Hockey League. You know, his brother did take a bit of a late blooming um, you know, way pathway to the NHL as well. But you cannot justify passing up on Chikrin for Kerfoot, Robertson, a first and second. That first would most likely be really high. We're talking about like 25th or later, and that second round pick is gonna be way down at the bottom as well, probably close to 60. So, you know, adding Chikrin for that price, any team in the National Hockey League would do that. That is not what Arizona is asking for. Arizona is asking for something, Eichel like apparently, where it's a top A prospect, a NHL regular, who's under contract, and you know obviously two firsts. So there's no way Arizona is going to take that offer. So they're going to ask for a lot more. So if that's I know a lot of, I saw a lot of conversations on it. If that's you know what they're asking for, you got to smash that. But I just don't think Chickren comes to Toronto. Honestly, I don't. I can't see the fit here. We have too many guys on the left side. And if Toronto did trade for Chikorin, Sandine would be in that deal. I fully believe that. Or Niemla. But moving on with that, maybe a guy like Severson. And uh, Damon's a guy that I threw around last episode. You know, he's got a cap hit of 4.16. Um, he's under contract for next year as well. I think Severson, red handed You know, he has offensive production in him. More two-way base, though. He plays the game tough. Uh, he's really poised at the back. Really matured this season, in my opinion. And I think most of the Devils have. It's going to be tough to see if New Jersey will part ways with him, given uh, you know the strides he took forward this season, uh, especially with his recent plays of late. And uh, you know they lost Dougie Hamilton to IR. Uh, Severson is a fantastic uh, asset that the Leafs should try and uh, swing to Toronto. But if you want to look for more of a forward, which I see a lot of people are talking about, if somehow Justin Hall manages to maintain this you know, mediocre stretch here that he's actually been playing a lot better than what we saw before the pause in the NHL season. Um Riley Smith, you know, that's a name that I've seen floated out everywhere, uh, mostly due to Vegas acquiring Eichel and they need the cap space to bring in uh, Jack once he's healthy off the LTIR. So obviously Smith has been, you know, the common name in trade rumors. Smith does carry a $5 million cap hit, but I'm sure if the lease found, you know, maybe a three team trade or three way deal where, uh, some team can eat about two million or something close to one point eight, like Arizona or Ottawa a team that's trying to hit the cap floor. Um, as they get assets back for the future, I really think a guy like Riley Smith would fit perfectly on this Maple Leafs team. Now I know, like I said, the salary got to make work, and I'm sure you're gonna give up prospects. But for a team that's in win now mode, and for how good the Lisa played this year, they deserve to be rewarded at the deadline. So I have no problem going on getting Riley Smith as he can play in your top six. He can play on your third line as well if he really had uh, you know, a hole there that you needed to fix. He can play on the power play. I know a lot of people are talking about the two power play system potentially on this Leafs team with putting Marner at the back. Which, you know, I see the agreement. I mean, I see the argument, sorry. Um, but, you know, you can't just put Marner on his own unit. You would need to put some other assets on there with him. Kind of balance out the two, I guess. But... Uh, Riley Smith I think would be an even if it's a rental because you know his contract is coming up but Riley Smith would do great things on this Leafs roster and you can even put him up with Matthews if you wanted to maybe drop Nylander switch Marner your depth on all three lines would be incredible as we've seen with the last you know I think it's like the last six Stanley Cup champions all three all six of those teams have three lines that can score at will and I think this Leafs team has an amazing third line, but I think it's a little more defensive heavy than offensive. And then if you have a Kampf, Kasha, and Riley Smith kind of line, where you put uh, Riley on the left, I think this line can do crazy things. And we've seen it with the biggest example that pops up to me is the Penguins back when they won back-to-back. They had Bonino, Kessel, Hagelin. And I know I've talked about Phil potentially coming back. His money is, you know, really tough to manage, but, Castle would be, you know, really cool if you wanted to balance out two power plays. I think he'd be a perfect fit here, but um, I really think Riley Smith here reminds me of that Hbk line they used to have in Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, they have that defensive awareness on it, but they also have those offensive uh, juggernauts on both sides that you know they aren't your superstars, but the way they probably mix together and the speed of that line, I think, would be really fun to watch. And I think that's a dangerous line no matter who you play in the playoffs. And I really think it would match up. Uh, well against the Florida Panthers. So, moving on from, you know, what they can do with that money and the uh, Richie situation, uh, he wasn't a fit all season long. Let's be real. He's the only forward, you know, Richie to play on all lines uh, for the Leafs roster. I think he, know. I think actually Simmons might have done that too. But uh, I think Richie is um, the only one exactly to play on all four different lines this year. Uh, you know, he had a bright few games in late November, like, You know when he had that little stretch but like his play couldn't justify him staying on the nhl roster given mckea's return and how he's played you know you just couldn't find a a trade partner for him and uh given his play with eight points in 30 games for 2.5 on this really cap tight leaf steam this was the right decision so moving on off of uh, the richie topic Mitch Marner and Pierre Engvall have entered the league's COVID nineteen protocol uh, today. They will be out for tomorrow night's game against the Colorado Avalanche, which is a huge loss. I know the critics are on Marner's case again after he just came back, but losing Mitch Marner is massive. He is a superstar. Okay, he can play the penalty kill. He can play. I know a lot of people are ripping him about how he has no power play goals in a hundred games or something, or some ridiculous stat, which I agree. You know that is noteworthy, but. Mitch Marner's not a goal scorer. He never really was. He's a playmaker driven through the uh, making of plays, and he's a superstar. He's elite at doing it. One of my favorite players to watch. Any team in the league would love Mitch Marner. And I know the narrative out there is oh, Marner, he's too small, this and that. Mitch Marner's a superstar. He's undervalued here in Toronto, to be completely honest. And I don't understand how people rip this guy for what he's done. Uh, fantastic player on the ice. But, you know. It's, it's it's a common thing here in Leafs Nation. It's sad because, uh, you know, this is a really undervalued player in this fan base. And you give this guy to a team like Columbus, or even even I guarantee the Bruins. The way they praise pra, uh, Pasternak, who honestly I love pasta, but I don't think he's as hyped up as uh, I think he's overhyped a bit. But you know, Marner is a superstar. Okay, so I don't understand why he's getting I like you know. Marner will find his way. I know it's an underwhelming season given his cap hit, but don't like don't kid yourself. Mitch Marner of tomorrow's contest is massive because the Colorado the Colorado Avalanche are on a heater. Since Toronto beat them eight to three at Scotiabank Arena, they are nine, one and one. They are third in the central right now with a twenty eight and two record. This is a whole different Colorado team than what we saw about a month ago. You know, this team, they have the number one, uh, they have the number, sorry, they have their number one in the whole NHL in goal score per game now after that 7-1 crushing defeat, I mean crushing win over the Winnipeg Jets last night. Um, They're top 10 in power play uh, conversion right now, so they're they're back in the top 10. That was expected, you know, given McKinnon's return. Um, But this team has been, Stanley Cup contender status ever since uh, the road trip ended in Canada. You know they have been an absolute monster, and a lot of that has been, uh, you know, also with obviously I like guess I said with McKenna coming back, but to Darcy Kemper coming back, the goalie they went out and acquired from Arizona last off season. They they obviously paid a hefty price from, you know, given his play in Arizona. This guy was an elite goaltender. He's uh, come over. He's expected to start tomorrow. Uh, he's had a really good season so far. You know, in 22 games, he's got a 2.66 goals against average and a .912 save percentage with 16 wins in 22 starts. So, you know, Kemper is an NHL elite goaltender. He has been for a couple years now. You know, the veteran. Uh, he's just injury concerns are his problem. But uh, when this guy's healthy, man, he is really tough to beat and uh he's definitely gonna be a problem in tomorrow's game but the leafs are going to match him against jack campbell so campbell will be the other goalie starting uh campbell in 25 games this year has a 1.87 goals against average a .939 save percentage and four shutouts on the year uh last time he played colorado he gave up three goals but made 28 saves that's coach bank arena so i i don't know if you guys remember that game i do um, Campbell was really solid a lot more than what the scoreline inflicts obviously the Leafs got lucky uh, you know Jonas Johansson the goalie that was in that, that night for Colorado is no longer with them He's placed on waivers like literally right after the game against Ottawa they had on the back to back I don't expect the Leafs to cruise like they did in that one that game was a lot tighter than what the scoreline inflicts um, but you know given this Colorado team they're playing tomorrow night if the Leafs somehow manage to pull out at least a point, in my opinion, I think it's a win. Um, you know, the Leafs are missing Kasha and Angval uh, Marner. So those are, you know, key players to this Leafs lineup. Actually, let's look at what the Leafs are going to be rolling with tomorrow night after today's practice. Uh, tomorrow's lines for the Maple Leafs should look like line one Michael Bunting, Austin Matthews, Alex Kerfoot. Kerfoot's on the right wing on line one, which should be interesting. Like I said, his versatility is so key to this Maple Leafs lineup. Um, so, when I talked about that chick, uh, chicken trade, you know, obviously I don't want to give up on Kerfoot uh, if it's for nothing, but if it's for a superstar like that, 100%. So, you know, Kerfoot has that versatility now where he's on the right wing on line one. Followed behind them is Mikhaev, Tavares, Nylander. I think that line is going to be really fun to watch. Mikhaev's speed on that line, I think, is going to, you know, really turn that line. Into an offensive juggernaut, and potentially a little bit more effective than the Bunting Matthews Kerfoot line, although Matthews has had a terrific season. Then we got Richie. Yes, Nick should be playing tomorrow, um, just because he cleared waivers. He was on the taxi squad now. With how things are going, in the NHL and the COVID uh, issues, so Nick is eligible to play. So he is actually going to have a big role in this one tomorrow night. Um, I'll explain in a bit, but he's going to be with Camp and Spetz on line three. Then Clifford Sinis playing again uh, at center on the fourth line with Wayne Simmons on the right. So this Leafs team, it's, you know, missing. It's uh, some really core players here, especially Mitch. But if you slide down to the power play, it's going to be Richie Tavares, Nylander, Morgan Riley, and Matthews. Richie is back on power play one, given that Kashe will not be playing tomorrow. Kashe, I don't expect to see at least until midweek next week. He did skate prior to today's practice, but was not participating in today's practice. So, Richie, who is just placed on waivers, uh, this is a this is a real opportunity for him to basically. I I kind of see this as a fresh start for Nick now. So given the thirty games and the eight points, he was released. I mean, uh, put on waivers, he cleared waivers. Now this is his chance. You know, he's getting that second opportunity that you don't really get often, uh, due to COVID and uh, the issue we're still battling in the world right now. He has this opportunity to bounce back. So now he's on power play one. I expect big things from him if he does want to maintain his, um, NHL career, because if he does not, and we go back to the same Richie who, you know, poor back checking and no offensive threat, uh, you know, it's going to be a real tough player to move in a trade. He's also going to probably rot in the minors. If he doesn't change his game around, Um uh, don't get me wrong. I'm sure a team out there somewhere would love to have Richie for a, a like a regressed salary, but right now, no chance. So unless they add a sweetener, uh, then we look at the D pairs. We got Riley and Brody expected to play tomorrow. Muzzin and Hall and Sandine and Dermot. I really like, obviously, Riley and Brody. I think ever since the pause, they've been playing absolutely great together. Uh, Sandine and Dermot. I'm happy those two are reunited, but Muzzin and Hall. I want to talk about everybody's been super critical of them this year since the pause i find those guys have been super super solid way better than what we saw the first start of the year i looked at the advanced stats they say the exact same thing they're having way better um games here obviously i think you know the pause kind of gave them an opportunity to look themselves in the mirror find their game but besides the goal that hall scored um you know this this has been a really shut down pair, and uh, like I said, the, the the analytics are really showing that you know they have turned the page. Now it's, I I know it's only been two games, one was Ottawa and uh, the other one was the McDavidless Oilers. But tomorrow, if they maintain this against a really hot Colorado team, that I would say is probably maybe third the third hottest team in the NHL right now. First has got to be Pittsburgh with the ten straight wins. Uh, you know, second you can have the argument, but I really think. Colorado's that hot right now where you can put them in the top three. So it's really going to be interesting to see how they uh, come out in this one. Uh, for the Power Play 2 unit, it's going to be Simmons, Spezza, Bunting, McKayev, and Sandine. I think this is probably the best uh, second unit we've seen from the Leafs all season long. Um, I think Simmons and that net friends presence he brings with Spezza, Bunting, and Sandine and McKayev, that's actually, it, it gives you a chance to score on unit two, which I don't think we had. A lot this year, which is why I would like to go out and get a guy like Riley Smith where we can put him on unit two and he can provide that offensive spark there. If you did want to push a guy like Marner down, then have Kosh on line one. I think that'd be really dangerous to have two units that can score like that uh, in the long run. So, Like I said, Colorado is on a the heater. Their top six, when I was speaking about goal scoring, their top six is absolutely on fire. Uh, line one's obviously Landis Cog, McKinnon, and Rantanen followed behind Comfort, uh, you know, former Leaf legend Nazem Kadri and Burakoski. Those guys are all having great years. Um, I know Comfort might not be a household name, but he has had a really nice season as a depth piece for Colorado. And Kadri, man, I know everybody listening to this podcast right now knows exactly who Nazem Kadri is. He is on a hot, a hot, like a hot tear this year. Sorry, I messed up that warning, but he has been phenomenal this season. In a contract year, this guy's going to get paid big time. Uh, who knows if he stays with Colorado? But he is having a career season. Um, he's honest. I've watched a lot of Colorado games. He is so fun to watch, man. This year, he is really playing at a superstar level. Uh, honestly, I always like Cadre. Met him a couple times. Great guy off the ice. Uh, so I'm happy for him. I hope he keeps it up because man, this guy is playing like he was drafted to be. And uh, it's really nice to see given. Now, I know it would have been better if it was still part of the lease, but, uh, you know, it's great to see him rocking out West. Um, you know, but Colorado, like I said, they are fantastic offensively, even with their defensive, uh, you know, core they got with Makar, Girard, Bowen Byron, the Canadian uh, top pick, he's been exceptional this year. Uh, Devon who also is an offensive threat, they have a really nice offensive top four. The bottom pairing is actually really solid too. Surprisingly, with Jack Johnson on it, uh, I think it's more heavily carried by Eric Johnson. Um, you know, both Johnsons are D partners right now for Colorado, given their D situation. So, you know, they have a really nice defensive unit too. But the thing with Colorado is, as much as they score, they also give up. So they're actually ranked 28th in penalty kill uh, and 21st in the league in goals against. So. This is an opportunity for Toronto to bite them here. They also take a lot of penalties. They do. So, um, you know, they're really close to the bottom in that as well in the NHL. The Maple Leafs power play, I know it's kind of been, and I'm not going to say cold since the pause, but it wasn't clicking at the rate it was um, as we went into the break. I think that's due to, you know, no Kasha or no Marner. Uh, But the Leafs power play, I believe, still sits at – third in the NHL. So it's currently third. Um, you know, they're second in face off percentages still. So if Colorado's taking penalties, I really think this is how the Leafs can get out of Colorado with a win with the two points. I think you're gonna have to beat them on the power play. The power play's gonna have to be clicking. Um Richie's gonna have to get in there. Uh Tavares I'm comfortable with Nylander has been rock solid. He had a great game against Colorado last time. So Morgan Riley and Matthews never really worry about them. It's going to be up to the power play for the least to make a statement in this one, and uh, Campbell as well. You know, like I said, this decor you never know what you're really going to get. One day you can get a prime Morgan Riley, you know, his best play offensively, and a higher fire at the back. Uh, you know, you can get the Muzzin Hall situation, either you know, good or bad, or you could get the you know the younger pairing Sandine and Dermott. Uh, they can also make mistakes. So you never know. This d could be absolutely solid tomorrow and really tight at the back. Or they can be loose and messy and give Colorado every chance they want in this one. But uh, I really like the way the Leafs' defense have been playing this season. Uh, most of them besides, you know, the obvious ones. But I think uh, this game tomorrow is going to be a, a real test. And I think it's be really good in the long run to see what we got here. Because this is no question a Stanley Cup contender in the Colorado Avalanche. I think they're going to make it out of the West this year for the first time. Uh, Yes, I know it's kind of bold this early on, uh, as we're still in early January. I think they're going to be in the Stanley Cup final this year. I think they're going to make it out of the West. I think they're finally going to beat Vegas. Uh, So, you know, this is going to be a massive game tomorrow. Without the pieces, uh, you know, that the Leafs are missing, it's going to be tough. No question, but it's going to be up to, you know, how can Campbell, Campbell has had a fantastic season, but how can he perform against a top team like this? You know, how can this Leafs team battle adversity? And that's what you get in terms of Stanley Cup champions is how can they battle adversity? Could they overtake it? I believe in this team. I think they really could. I think if this team, you know, stick to their system and they play really tight at the back and minimize their mistakes this team is extremely hard to beat, and I think they can really put a hold on this Colorado offense. And, you know, the way Campbell's been playing this year, he has my full confidence in him. Um, I expect to see Campbell probably play next week on the first game of the back-to-back. Uh, but from uh, Keith's comments this morning, after the morning skate, I mean uh, the practice, morning practice, uh, I don't think we're going to see Mrazik, uh for a lot in uh, January here. Given the leaf schedules, so I think we'll see him one time next week, but I think it's Campbell at least until February. So, uh, soup. If you want your uh, you know big contract that everybody's projecting you're going to get at the end of the year, I, st- I think he gets you know somewhere in the medium. I think he stays with Toronto, but a lot of people think he's going to get you know a really big deal from somebody else in the NHL and he's going to leave Toronto. Hey, everybody's entitled to their own opinion, but I don't believe that. I think this guy loves this team. I think he loves the city. And I know the city loves him, and I know the fan base loves him. So let's hope Jack stays with Toronto. And uh, I can't wait to see what comes tomorrow night. You know, it's going to be a tough one. Uh, it's all It always is, though, no matter who you play. But this one is going to be exciting. And if the Leafs win, Leafs win, which I'm hoping for. Go Leafs, go. Thank you so much for listening. Check out the Twitter and Instagram. Engage in conversations. If you ever want to come on the show, you want to talk hockey, always there. Uh, Thanks again for listening, guys. Go Leafs, go.